0: All these songs today have just coincided with what God put on my heart to remind us of today. If you have Bibles, I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 2. And as you're turning there, you you will find an expression that we find in the King James. And you just can't better it. And it talks about such great salvation. And the question today is, not only are we thankful, but how great is that salvation? Is it great in your mind? Is it great in your heart? Is it great as an active agent in your life? Knowing that we're not just saved once and then we've got a good record and we're good from there on out. The saving grace of God every day of our life. Such great salvation. What does it mean to us? Would you stand with me one more time as we read God's word together? Hebrews chapter 2, just reading the first four verses. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. While God, who also bore witness by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributed according to his will. One more time, just give God thanks. Lift your hands and say, thank you, Lord, for the salvation in my life. Hallelujah. You may be seated. We come across the the thought on this, the mind of this writer was simply this, of how could we ever neglect something so incredible? But the truth is it happens. There are gifts that we've received from our friends, from our family, from our spouse, from our children that are so dear to us and we think, oh, this is the best gift ever. I'll never forget this gift. And we put it down and can't remember where we put it. There are things that were so, so desired in our hearts. That Christmas finally happened and you got that gift that you'd wanted for 12 months, for two years. And yet you've grown past that age to where that kind of thing even is appealing to you. We're going go on and on and on. And yet when it comes to salvation... How could we ever neglect it? Many of us would say our testimony was we were pretty vile, pretty rank, so lost. And the grace of God that would save us and redeem us. How could we ever live beyond being grateful for that act and yet we find ourselves at times forgetting. Such a great salvation This writer puts it in such a way that he uses the term drifting away and it gives us the mental picture of a ship that has gone past safe harbor and because of neglect of noticing where they were at the time, they find themselves now shipwrecked on the rocks and the reef. How did that captain ever let that happen? This happened just a couple years ago And we, how how could someone with such responsibility of all the cargo, the lives, how could you allow something like that to happen? And yet this writer knows it can happen to us as it pertains to salvation. How could we ever, 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 ever do that? And it's simply called apathy, the complacency where life comes in and consumes our thoughts, the pressure of life, the responsibility of life, the things that we do. Spoiler alert, do you know you can actually get church to where it just becomes routine? I know you've never known anybody like that. You can go to Sunday school classes, you can go to small group meetings, you can go to prayer meetings, you can listen to choir sing, praise team sing, your favorite soloist. You can hear the greatest of preaching from different orators. You may listen to radio preaching, television preaching, your your local pastor on the weekends, whatever the case, and yet it can become routine if you're not careful. The longer we're church, the more it just becomes commonplace. How many of us have testified that sickness came our way and we were out two or three weeks, so the job moved us for a while and we were gone for a longer period than we expected and we came back, isn't it like a breath of fresh air? Haven't you said to somebody else, oh my goodness, I've missed this and yet it took that wake-up call. This is what this writer is talking about. It wasn't intentional. It's the apathy that can happen to us and in this particular passage we've read, you know I love those therefores. Matter of fact, on my headstone, somebody ought to just carve that when I'm gone. Therefore. Because therefore always says something else has been said. And when you go back to the before of the therefore, you'll find that we're reminded of what heaven does for us on a constant basis. That literally angels are on assignment all the time isn't that an incredible thought that they're on assignment serving us those who have inherited eternal life if you're born again today you've inherited eternal life that means right now there are angels that know who you are they're not omniscient they're on assignment they're told what to do they're watching they're protecting they're doing what they've been instructed to do heaven takes that much effort for each and every one of us. Every time you think that you're a nobody, that nobody knows who you are, that you're, you're just a wallflower, that you just drift into the landscape, remember what this writer is reminding us, that angels have been dispatched, put on assignment for us. It is Paul who comes back and said, if God is for us, who in this world can be against us? Some of you may be facing something insurmountable right now. If God is for you, who can be against you? I don't know if I got a friend in this world any longer, but if God is for you, who can be against you? you see these are the things that keep us from becoming apathetic when we stand upon his word and just know god even though my emotions are all jacked up even though everything's confused in my mind even though i haven't had an attaboy in forever as whatever the case if god is for me who can be against me some of us need to talk to the devil don't we And when he comes against us as a roaring lion, we need to look at him and once again and say, but God is for me. You're going to do what you do and you're going to roar and you're going to roam and you're going to find a way to trip me up. But just know this, God is for me. He's for me. It is this reality about salvation. If I asked for a raise of hands, there would be a percentage, a healthy percentage that would say, I was raised in a Christian home. I was raised in a Christian school. I went to Sunday school. I went to youth camps. And at an early age, I prayed in an altar somewhere, in a children's church room, maybe in my bedroom with my parents leading me, in a formal altar in a church sanctuary somewhere. And salvation was real then. Many of us would say it was not until my teen years or my early 20s. I had already messed up. And I realized what mom and dad had taught me, what grandma had sat down and told me, or what I had heard a best friend and homeroom telling me. And now I realize I need a Savior. I need God in my life. And that's when you were saved. That great salvation, but for too many of us, We get to a place where that was real then, but is it real today? Is salvation real today? Does God still love me? You see this great salvation is great because it's got a great author and he's already wrote it into your life, your story. You see, we're living in a time described in Romans chapter one where creation now begins to worship itself instead of its creator. The focus is upon that which has been created, including us. Our focus is on us. Our focus is on another person, some other icon, some other idol speaking into our life and we worship the words that come from their being. But we have to be reminded that there's a God who created all things. Genesis one and one tells us in the beginning, God created it all. Heaven and earth, God created all these things. Isaiah 40 and 28 reminds us, it says, have you not heard? Have you not known? The Lord, the everlasting God is the creator of heaven and earth and he never faints. He never ceases. In his work, he never grows weary. You see, we have to have these put into our spirit, into our mind. I'm a pastor. I see people at their best and their worst. I've talked to my brothers many a time, law officers, say the same thing. I see people at their best, see them at their worst as a pastor's perspective you you go through the. i've seen the the joyous times of children being born the couple that just everybody couldn't wait till the wedding day finally got there it was a great wedding day i've been there when sickness has come when failure has been exposed when death has arrived on its assignment All these things, we have to be reminded there's a God who never grows weary in his work toward us. I know I've shared this thought multiple times, and I'll probably continue to do so because I've been privileged to be raised in the house of God, because I've had the privilege of giving my heart to the Lord at an early age and was serious about it. I don't just have the testimony and this will speak to somebody else today of what God can do in a child's life or a teenager's life or a young marriage life. I now have decades been added to those years and I'm here to tell you this God that I knew as a child is the same God who still loves me now. He loves me in my older years than not just my younger years. There are some of you listening that are older than I am, and and you testify as well that God is faithful. He has watched you all these many decades. We don't have to shy back from using terms like decades. We know that he's a God of all these times in our life. It is the psalmist again, Psalms 105. He simply says, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name and share these deeds with others what keeps us from having app? there's a lot of things it may be listening to christian music that those words speak to as many of us music speaks to us better than any other medium we look for a song to talk about this subject or that subject or this emotion that emotion then make sure that you're listening to that which is uplifting and building and strengthening that's filled with the word of god some it's just certain writers certain authors certain orators that we rely on but there's nothing that can take the place of testimony many of you now that are listening are grandparents one of the best things you can do for yourself and your children and your grandchildren is do exactly what the psalmist said to give thanks and call upon his name and share those deeds Call those times with those grandchildren, with Gammy, with Grandma, with Big Mama, whatever your term is. Now, some of you are looking at me cross and I said, Big Mama. That's the one that scared me when I first came to the South. I thought, Who in the world would call a woman big? But I found out in that area, that was common. Grandma was Big Mama. I never spoke it, but I never fought it. (laughs) Whatever your term is, call the children together. Yes, you take them to Disney World. And yes, you take them to Six Flags. And yes, you take them to the ice cream shop. But have that special time where you're gonna be, this is the time I wanna tell you about the goodness of God. I wanna tell you my stories. I wanna tell you what God did for me when I was this age and when I was this age. I want you to know what God did for you when you were a child and you had fever and we prayed and that fever broke in the name of Jesus. You can't remember it, but I'm here to instill that in you. It was God that spared you. It was God that walked with us through the grueling time of 60 days in a hospital three surgeries on you, but here you are today, able to hear the story. God was faithful to keep us by his grace through that time, and he will be faithful to see you through all your life. You see, it's sharing those deeds, knowing that he's creator of all things. It is Paul, again, It reminds us all of creation groans, waiting. Have you ever thought about world catastrophes, earthquakes, mudslides, They're all times of this earth groaning. All these things that look so evil, the earth is groaning. Why? Groaning because we as well are groaning. All waiting for us to be revealed as the children of God. Heaven is attentive today to your cry. God's ear is attentive to your speech. His eye is still upon the sparrow. He's upon You watching your every move. How could we ever neglect such great salvation? If angels are on assignment and creation is groaning, speaking into my life. The psalmist in Psalms 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. You and I aren't really up with that very often. Maybe someone has a telescope but we live in cities, all the lights of the city washes out the tapestry that heavens always has to speak. It is the firmament, it is the sky that also speaks to us of the glory of God. I came across Job nine, nine and 10. It is there when Job says, you are the one that created the bear, you're the one that created Orion. You're the one that created Pleiades of these. You're the one that created all the constellations of the South. You are the one that created all these things. Well, there was a song from yesteryear that a man by the name of John Peterson wrote about. He was reading that particular passage. John was a Kansas boy. Two older brothers, Bill and Bob Peterson, they were They were the rounders. All they could think about was alcohol. All they could think about was gambling. They were older brothers of John and they had sown their wild oats, but Bill heard the gospel preached and gave his heart to the Lord. He came back. John was only 12 at the time when he heard his brother come home and say, Mom, that which you've always told me about God, it happened for me today. I gave my heart to Jesus it wasn't much longer that bob didn't have his bosom buddy brother bill and he gave his heart to the lord john also would give his heart to the lord and they all became evangelists john went on and served in the second world war became a a pilot constantly flying over the china hump as it was called dangerous times when he came back he enrolled in moody bible institute and it was when he was studying this, he simply came across that passage and it began to speak to him. Some of you might re- grew up with a song that I grew up with, and simply called, It Took a Miracle. It took a miracle to put the stars in their place. It took a miracle to hang this world in place. But when he saved my soul, he cleansed and made me whole. It took a miracle of love and grace. I like the verses that he wrote. Yeah. My father is omnipotent and that... You cannot deny a God of might and miracles. Tis written in the sky. The second verse, though here is his glory, it has been shown. We still can't fully see the wonders of his might. His throne will take eternity. The Bible tells us of his power and wisdom all the way through. And every little bird and flower are testimonies too. It took a miracle which brings us to that place of this God of such great salvation that's still at work with angels on assignment, with creation speaking to us, but also knowing that he's still a God of the miraculous. How long has it been since you've believed for a miracle to look to God and say, God, there's no other way it's going to happen except you. That's what constitutes a miracle. Oh, we use that term miracle pretty flippantly. Many of us in our dating time, if we could get a date with so-and-so, it would be a miracle. When she finally went out with you, all your friends come up and say, my God, I believe in miracles. She went out with you. There was a certain test that you had to take. It was a miracle. I passed it. It was a D, but I passed. No, a miracle. A miracle. A God of the miraculous. A God of not only the miraculous of yesteryear of what he would do with those Hebrew children in a desert crossing over a red sea, or a God who would spare a young man's life in a lion's den, or a God who would rescue some boys together in a fiery furnace. He's still a God of miracles. A God who desires to perform his wonders to behold the bible tells us that we can't fathom all the miracles Job said that he does we can't even even of the time of Jesus upon the earth the bible says of itself if we recorded everything Jesus did the world couldn't contain the volumes of books it would take How many knows he still desires to do it today? That's why we can't drift. That's why we can't afford to be apathetic. That's why we can't afford for the enemy to come into our thinking and say, well, I know God used to do that for me, but I haven't been very good in the last 10 years. God's probably given up on me. Or to allow the enemy to sow that thought of doubt and unbelief. Well, I don't know. I I haven't seen a miracle in a long time. Maybe God ran out. Or maybe God doesn't love this generation like he's loved other generations. you got to remember, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, whosoever. It speaks to each and every generation. speaks to each and every generation individual but the point that this writer brought across is and if these angels were judged and received their right retribution so it is with us we can't afford to get there the miraculous of god the signs the wonders and miracles are ongoing but we can't conclude without reminding ourselves of this this writer not only talked about the signs The wonders and the miracles but also the gifts of the holy spirit you see somebody could say well he's a god of the old testament only a god that did those miracles way back then but the gifts of the holy spirit didn't begin flowing until pentecost still active in the body of christ today who is it that will trust god again and believe for a miracle Who will hear of someone else sick and just say, I'm going to put legs on my faith and I'm going to go to their home. I'm going to lay my hands upon the sick. I'm going to pray the prayer of faith. I'm going to trust God to see God move. How many knows God's just awaiting for us to trust him again? The faith in him that God, I know that you're able to do this. You distribute these gifts according to your will. Who is it that you want to restore, that you want to receive into the kingdom? Some of us have assignments right before our eyes and we haven't even noticed that it's God that placed us there. That person that's so despicable that you don't even wanna see when you walk into that office, God placed you there because of that person. You wanna know why they're so hateful and nasty? Because they need a God of a great salvation many years ago I was just a mere lad and this lady right here in the second row could see that God had his hand in my life and I was serving in different ministries of that local church one of those being bus ministry I had one kid on that bus he was sent from hell itself I didn't mind all the other things, but when I would pull up to that long drive, part of me was saying, I hope he doesn't show up today. And she said, remember this, Randy, a trouble kid is a troubled kid. I saw that kid pray and asked Jesus to come into his heart in time. How many others are out there that God so desires to reach them? But it's going to take one of us to share the love of God. You can stand with me.